Hey, and welcome to Besties for the Resties. Uh, my name is Rose Turner, and I'm excited to be here with y'all. So real quick, I am from Jackson, Mississippi. Um, went to Ole Miss, graduated a few years ago. Lived and worked in Birmingham for a year, and I've been on staff with First President Jackson going on, going into my third year. Um, and so when they asked me to talk, they asked what I was passionate about, and I said, friendship. And so that's what we're going to talk about. So if you remember, um, the bio says, Besties for the resties, friendships are hard and often messy. Ever wonder why? Come explore what the Bible says about friendships, brokenness, and how we can seek real connection in a world of social media-driven friendships. So that's what we're talking about this whole week. And just to kind of give you an overview, uh, friendships are everywhere. All the stories that we love have to do with friendships, and Hollywood knows this. So if we think about the movies and the series that we enjoy, they all go back to friendship. So things like Harry Potter, the Avenger series, even Toy Story, all these movies have deep friendships intertwined. Um, even TV shows we love, The Office, Gilmore Girls, Parks and Recs. We don't watch these friend, we don't watch these TV shows to learn about what it's like to work in an office that sells paper. We don't watch these shows to see how a small town government runs its parks department. We see it for the friendships and the relationships that unfold throughout the series. Another great example of this is The Greatest Showman. How many people in here have seen The Greatest Showman? All right, great. That's, that's, that'll be our go-to example the whole week. So I'm just going to give you all kind of a rundown. So today, day one, we're going to look at relationships and what the Bible says. Tomorrow, we're going to look at what are marks of friendships and what are threats to friendships. So basically, what makes good friendships and then what can hurt good friendships. And then on Thursday, we will look at real friendships in the age of social media. So we're just going to go ahead and jump in to today. And so today, once again, we're looking at relationships and what the Bible says. So basically, if I was just standing up here telling you what I thought about it and never brought in the Bible, then I'll be doing you a disservice. So to figure out more about us, we are going to go to the source that tells us all we need to know about us. Um, So that's going to be the Bible. So the first thing we're going to look at is where does this desire for friendship and even relationships come from? And to look at that, we're going to look at a passage in Genesis, Genesis 1, verse 26. And so to kind of give you a recap, um, this is the beginning. This is the story of creation. This is where um, creation has already been spoken into existence and God is about to make man. So it picks up right here in Genesis 1, 26 and says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion over the sea, of the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Okay, so, do you might notice anything? Who does it say we need to let man be in whose image? It says our image, right? So who is the our that the Bible is talking about? Anybody got any ideas? Yes, you back there? Yes, the Trinity. Okay, and so what is the Trinity? Anybody? You? Yes. Okay, so the Trinity, correct. It is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so from the beginning, um, from the beginning of time, before time even existed, God exists in perfect communion with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. So there is communion that God is in the image of. And so when we are created, when He creates man, man is created in that perfect communion, like an image of that. 
And so it is vital that we understand that we are created in the image of a communal God so that we can understand how relationships and friendships work down the road. All right, how many of you have a desire for friends? Yeah, right? Like all of us desire friends. And that's a natural thing. Like that is a biblical desire to have friends and be in community. Um, And it's interesting to think too, so when God creates Adam, we quickly learn that it's not good for Adam to be alone. He needed a helper. And it's interesting, this is the very first time that a negative is introduced in the Bible where it says it is not good for man to be alone. And so Adam was not meant to be alone, and neither are we. You know, another thing that's not really ever talked about is the idea that marriage is optional, but friendship is not. And so once again, it's a biblical desire to have friendship and to have community. Um, and we think, you know, where where do friendships come from? Like, what is friendship? And the Bible tells us in James 1.17 that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So one way we can think about friendship is friends are a gift, and the Bible tells us that all good gifts come from God. Therefore, friendships are from God. Okay, so that, very briefly, was where desire to desire for friendships comes from. It comes from the idea that we are created in a communal image. So now we can look at what is friendship. Like We've talked about where it comes from, but what exactly is friendship? Um, there's a guy named Tim Keller. Some of you have probably heard of him. If you haven't, the older you get, probably the more you'll hear his name. He's got a great definition that says, Friendship is a deep oneness that develops when two people, speaking the truth and love to one another, journey together to the same horizon. You know, another way you can think about that is you've got two people who are going towards the same goal. Um, And I think that is a big part of friendship, right? You've got two people who are going towards the same goal. Um, I think at our age, it can look like different things. It can look like... You're on the same team, so therefore your goal might be to win or to get better at something. You could share a common interest. Um, Maybe you're all on the same dance team, or maybe you all enjoy show choir, or maybe you all are on like a chess team together. Your goal is like you want that team to do well, so that is your common horizon, your common goal. Even something as simple as being in the same class, right? Like you all have the goal of being in a class and finishing that class well. And so the thought here is what separates friendships from biblical friendships is that common goal and horizon is the idea of wanting to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That is our chief chief end, after all. Um, One book that a lot of this is coming from, and a little book blurb, um, Jonathan Holmes wrote this book. It's called The Company We Keep. Very small. It's available at the book table in the back of large group room. Um, he gives this example, um, says, The unity of Jesus is not achieved by us, but is established for us through the person and work of Christ. And how when we are together in biblical friendship, we are glorifying God. Um, and that unity is established for us. C.S. Lewis, another guy y'all probably heard of, wrote the Chronicles of Narnia wrote a lot of other really great books. He says, Friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. You know, we can 
develop friendships for a lot of different things. You might have nothing in common with someone, so you think, and then you realize that you both love the same TV show or that you have the same amount of siblings or ice cream flavor, same preference. Um, so, so many things that we can look at other people and say, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. So remember we said the greatest showman is a good example. So the greatest showman, if we think about it, is a movie of a group of individuals that from the outside would look like social outcasts, right? Like they were the freaks, they were the oddities, as he calls them. And so they continually looked at each other and said, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. And so, right, like that is friendship at its definition, according to C.S. Lewis. Um, Like I say, we'll keep going back to The Greatest Showman throughout the week, but that's just one example of how it is that whole idea of what you two, I thought I was the only one. So we've looked at kind of what is friendship, but then we kind of think about what is the purpose of friendships or relationships in general. Um, Now, it is possible that both Christians and non-Christians can have healthy friendships, but kind of from this point on, we will be talking about biblical friendships and how those are defined by the Bible. So if we look at the purpose of any relationship biblically, does anybody know what the purpose of a relationship is? Alright, so the purpose of all relationships is we are to bring about the kingdom of God. And so once again, kind of what that says is we are called together to push one another towards Jesus and to bring about that kingdom of God. A lot of times we can think about this as the idea of sanctification, like we are pulling one another towards God. Um, And relationships are no different, and friendships especially. And one neat thing about friendships is that through friendships we are able to show the visible rule and reign of the God of the universe to a broken and dysfunctional and sinful world as it slowly starts to be healed and slowly starts to get put back together. Um, And in a lot of ways it can start to be restored through us, through the image of God. So yeah, so um, if you think about it, friendships are a great way to show a watching world glimpses and pieces of what it looks like to be a part of the body of believers. You can think it shows um, a, a picture of relationships between God and us as we show a loving friendship between us and our friends. Here's an example for you. So let's say the house beside you has been for sale for a long time and it finally gets sold and you're so excited to see who is going to become my new neighbors. And so one Saturday you look out the door and there's like 50 people moving in boxes. There are older people, there are younger people, there's probably some small children playing around. And all these people are just carrying in boxes into this house and it makes you wonder who is actually going to live here. Like, Are all of these people going to live in this house and become my neighbors? And so what would it tell you if you found out later that that was a group from the local church that was helping a new family move in? Right? Like that is an example of we are sacrificing time and money to help someone else. In a lot of ways, that is what friendship is, right? Like, friendships are called to be sacrificial um, with our time and our resources to give to somebody else. And I think, too, the more we, we'll talk about this more and more tomorrow, but a small 
piece of relation or small part of friendships is we are building each other to be better versions of ourselves. Like we all need to grow, right? Like that's a biblical principle. Like we are constantly growing, and friendships help us do so. Um, rarely do you grow outside of community context. So, like I said, we kind of talked about what is friendship, what's the purpose of it, right? The purpose is to bring about the kingdom of God, and the purpose is to bring one another to Jesus and grow in sanctification. And so I think one thing we want to look at is how do we get these friendships right? Um, one of the things we got to do is we got to look around. Like, y'all, we are constantly surrounded by people, whether that's the group you came to RYM with this week, whether that is back home on the team, whether that's your family members, whether that is people you carpool to school with. Constantly surrounded by people, but yet we might not be friends with them. So one way we can get these friendships is to look around, y'all. Um, there are so many people that we already share an interest with, and the, the question is, is there a way that we can take that interest and turn it into a friendship? Because we already have that first piece that you both enjoy something. That whole, you two, I thought I was the only one idea that C.S. Lewis gives us. Um, I think another way we can look at this is, are we praying for friends? Um, we don't want to uh, not not pray for these things. There are so many opportunities for kind of acquaintances and people who might be on the outside of our friend group to come in and are we praying for those opportunities to bring people into our friendship circles I love this idea that there's no answered prayer without a prayer and how often we hear oh that's just such an answer to prayer but someone had to pray for it in order to be answered here's an example so how many of you have ever prayed for a sick parent like if someone has a cold or wakes up with a sore throat, like, how often do we pray for that person? Right, like, probably not. Like, we don't think that's super significant. Um, so my mom, when I was in about 10th grade, got diagnosed with cancer. Um, and I had never prayed for her health until this point. Like, I never prayed for her if she got sick beforehand. But I felt like there was such a need to pray for her once she got cancer because it felt like it was more serious. Um, and so I think what that tells us is we don't need to wait for the need for friends to be serious to pray for it. Um, if you've already got great friends, pray for them. Continue to pray for your friendships. Um, if you don't have friends, pray for future friends. And, I mean, like I said earlier, you know, we want to continue to pray for opportunities to add people to our friend groups because we cannot grow without friends, without community around us. Um, so I want to take the last little bit here to look at some biblical friendships, right? So we've seen these biblical ideas of friendship, right? Like our desire comes from being created in the image of God and the communal God. We have figured out like what friendship is, right? It's that deep oneness where we're journeying together to, towards the same horizon and sanctifying one another along the way. And we've kind of looked at... Um, where we can get friendships or how we can find them. And there are friendship examples throughout the Bible, but I do want to look at a few of them real quick. So in 1 Samuel chapter 18, we are introduced to the friendship of David and Jonathan. And 
If you know any background, David might sound familiar from the story of David and Goliath. Um, that's where we most notably find it. And with that, we don't know a ton about the friendship of David and Jonathan prior to this. What we do know is that David is the son of the shepherd, um, and Jonathan is a son of King Saul. So kind of from the get-go, we know these people probably don't have a ton in common. From very different worlds, once again, one's the son of a king, one's the son of a shepherd. Um, but what it does tell us, so this is 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 1, and this picks up right after David has chopped off the head of Goliath, the Philistine, and he says, As soon as he has finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and he and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Would you say that your friendships, like your souls, are knit together? Probably not. Um, like I say, we don't know a ton prior to this, but that is the picture that we get. And then the next few chapters continues to tell us what that looks like. Um, story goes, you know, King Saul gets super jealous and tries to kill David, tries to kill Jonathan. They, they're both on the run. They're both saying, hey, watch out. He's coming for you at different times. Um, and Jonathan, remember, who's the king, the king's son, ends up having a son named Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth is dropped when he's a child and ends up being crippled in the feet. And you got to think, too, this is a very different time, right? So, like, now, if you are dropped, and let's say you break your feet, um, there are so many medical advances that that is not going to be a detrimental diagnosis. A lot of times there are surgeries that can be done. You can wear braces, you can wear boots, and you can have crutches, and getting around is not as big of a hindrance as it would have been back in this time. And so what's interesting about Mephibosheth is that he, you know, historically would have been left to be a beggar if you're crippled in the olden days. And he would have had to rely on everyone around him. Um, but, right, he is the grandson of a king. But Jonathan ends up dying, and so Mephibosheth is just left, right? Like this guy who is crippled and is relying on everyone around him to live... And David adopts him. And like that is such a picture of a sacrificial friendship in the sense of David did not have to do that, right? Like David does not have to adopt his best friend's son and take on the physical burden, the monetary burden, and just the the burden of, you know, taking on this person while at the same time, you know, still running from King Saul. So we see an example of a sacrificial friendship right there. So another another story we're going to look at is the story of Ruth and Naomi. So if, some, if y'all open up to uh, Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. So to give you some backstory on this one. So Naomi is the mother in this story. And she is married and has two sons. And her two sons are also married. One of Naomi's sons marries Ruth, 
and what ends up happening is Naomi's husband dies and both of her sons die. So it is Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws are left. And at this point in, in culture, if your husband dies, you would go back to your homeland where you came from and you would rely on them to take care of you. You wouldn't want to continue to be a burden for your new family. You'd go back to your old family. And so it picks up. As Naomi, the mother, has told both the daughter-in-laws, like, go back, go back to your your land. And so it picks up and says in verse 16, And Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and my God, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me. And more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So once again, you know, Ruth is the daughter-in-law of Naomi. Her husband has died, and she's supposed to go back to her homeland, and she wants to stay with Naomi. Um, She doesn't leave her, and you see that idea where she says, you know, where you go, I will go. Where you die, I will die. And so you see such a picture of a loyal friendship, right? Like one that does not leave when she's not required to be there anymore. And one that, once again, is sacrificial, right? Like she could have gone back to her homeland and maybe been remarried. Maybe she would have been provided for by her family. But she gives all of that up and a potential future to stay with her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she doesn't have to. So you see an example of a very loyal friendship. And then one of my all-time favorite passages about friendship, which we typically don't think of as being about friendship, is found in Luke 5, verses 17 through 26. And this is the story of the lame man and his friends who drop him through the roof to go see Jesus. And so basically... Jesus has been out doing ministry, and he's going to a home, um, and they go to find Jesus and take their friend to him. So this is Luke 5, verse 17 through 26. It says, On one of those days he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Israel. In Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding there was no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, "Man, your sons are forgiven. Man, your sons are your your son your sins are forgiven." And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or say, Rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of God has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise, pick your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose before before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. Okay, so typically this story, a lot of times we focus on the healing element of Jesus, which is right. You know, this guy is paralyzed totally. He's unable to walk. 
and Jesus heals him in front of all these people and it's such a testament to his healing power. But one of the things that is often overlooked is the role of friendship in this story. So you've got these men who probably quite often are taking their friend around, right? Like he is fully paralyzed on a mat and they are taking him where he needs to go. And what's so important about this one is that they take their friend to go see Jesus. And so what you see is that the friends knew who Jesus was. They knew he was a man who could heal and they stopped at nothing to get him. You know, it says that they got to the place and there was no no room and they had to find out a way to get him in. And so you see a very determined friend group um, and one that is constantly pointing people to Jesus. So they take their friend at all costs and take him to Jesus to be healed. And so the question there, right, is are we the type of friend that would take our broken friends to Jesus to be healed? Um, it's hard, right? It'll, probably people were staring at them as they're walking around with this guy going through crowds on a mat. It's probably really hot and they're on top of a roof trying to break the ceiling to get their friend to Jesus. Like, are we that type of friend that stops at nothing to take our friends to Jesus? You know, they didn't try to heal the man, but they knew who could heal him. Um, and I think that's so important for us. And then... You know, you can look at the whole New Testament and look at different examples of Jesus loving the disciples and being a friend to them. You know, we can think about how many ways the disciples were terrible friends to Jesus, right? Like, they fell asleep on Him, they didn't pray for Him, they denied Him, they left Him alone on the cross. But yet, these are the same people who Jesus seeks out and befriends and ultimately dies for their sins. So that's all we got for today. So once again, you know, we kind of looked at where our desire for friendships come from, right? It comes from the Bible. It comes from Genesis 1.26 where man is created in the image of God, in the image of a communal God. So that desire for friendships is natural and it is biblical. It is inside of us. We looked at what is friendship, right? We looked at Tim Keller's definition where he says friendship is a deep oneness that develops when two people speaking the truth in love to one another, journey together towards the same horizon. We looked at um, the purpose of friendships, right? Like all relationships and friendships are bringing about the kingdom of God. And part of that with friendships as we are sanctifying one another, as we are pushing each other towards Jesus, um, as we're growing in grace. And we want to be better versions of ourselves and relationships help shape us into that. We looked at how do we find friendships, right? Like we look around for them, we pray for them, and we got to get out there and go make friends. We can't just sit back and expect them to come to us. And then we looked at a few biblical case studies of friendship, right? We looked at Jonathan and David, how their souls were knit together, how yet they're from different worlds. One was the son of a king, one was the son of a shepherd, and yet how it was such a sacrificial friendship to the point of adopting a crippled son of the other. We looked at Ruth and Naomi, how that was such a loyal friendship, right? Like, 
Ruth doesn't leave Naomi when she could, but she sacrifices her potential future to go where Naomi goes. And then we looked at the lame man where Jesus heals the the paralytic and how they were a friend that knew who Jesus was and knew knew that he had the healing power that their friend needed and brought the friend to Jesus. Um, So that was today. And then to kind of give you a, a look at the rest of the week, tomorrow we're looking at marks and threats to friendship, right? Like the what makes friendships good and what can harm friendships. And then on Thursday we'll look at real friendships and look at friendships in this age of social media. All right, well, let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Lord, thank you that you created us with a desire for relationships and for friendships. Um, Lord, thank you for bringing us all here so we can learn more about you. Lord, give us a desire to pray for friends and, Lord, to be the friend that will go out and take our friends to you, Lord, the ultimate healer. Lord, help us have a good rest of the day. Help us have fun on the beach. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.